Hi, good morning. My name is, uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Marine Valley Church. And I'm super excited to get to share with you from God's Word uh, this morning. The week before Thanksgiving, uh, how many of you guys just by show of hands are hosting at your houses this week? Uh, you're the brave, the brave, the bold, the beautiful. We'll have an extra prayer for you. A prayer service will be up at the end of the service for you. You can come up here. We'll, we'll be praying for you. And I know your mind's probably in a million places this morning. Uh, and so there's extra grace. If you need to write out, oh, I forgot to get broccoli on your notes. That's totally fine. It's, there's space for that. And for the rest of us, uh, before we go into that turkey coma, um, that trip to fan, uh, trip to um, nap land, um, I hope, I hope the invitation this morning is that we can encounter God as we study His Word, as we, as we uh, continue our series, Unsinkable Joy. Uh, it's, been our ha- it's been our hope that we can learn how to practice joy for when it matters most. A friend of mine named uh, Jim is a uh, former Navy SEAL, and uh, he uh, was sharing with me about his training and all the rigor that he went through and some of the hardest and most dire circumstances anybody could endure, and now he's, how he's kind of applying that now to his dream job as a high school coach. Um, I can't imagine having a Navy SEAL as a coach, right? But, but he shares that one of, his, one of his principles that he always hits over and over again is this, is that you play the way that you practice. You play the way that you practice. You, you, when, it comes, when it comes down to it, when life gets tricky, when life gets hard, when, when you're at game time, the way that you've practiced, the way that you've worked, the way that you've prepared is what's going to happen. It's actually a psychological phenomenon. It actually happens. Uh, that we've, we've found that when things get tough, when life gets overwhelming, we go back to a default mode. How many of you guys have just been triggered before? Like something happens and all of a sudden it's just like an instant. It takes you right back to that one thing and the way you felt it the first time. It's because we, we tend to go back to the things that we've rehearsed the most in our mind, the things that we've done the most in our mind. Back to my Navy SEAL turned coach friend, uh, he would talk to his players and said, listen, if you, if you give up in the middle of practice, you will give up in the middle of the game. If you give up uh, in the middle of trying out when it gets hard, when it gets hard in the game, you will give up. When you cut corners in the, in the practice, you're going to cut corners in your game because it goes back to this reality that you play the way that you practice. As a church, what would it look like if, if we learned how to practice joy and actually practice faith so that when life comes and, and hard times happen and the, the, the waves start to swell over the boat, that we can actually go back to our default? And what if our default was actually joy? What if our default was like faith? What if our default was trust? That when, when everything's falling around, the only thing I know how to go back to is, and the only thing I know how to do is just to trust the only thing I know how to do is just put my faith in God. The only thing I know how to do is, is sing songs of praise and joy because I know that that's all I've ever known how to do things. Man, what would that look like for us? And so that's our hope, uh, this series, that's the invitation for you as we've been looking at this book of Psalms. It's a collection of these honest, open, real prayers written by real people like you and I to God. And what I love about the book of Psalms is they're super messy. They're super messy. Like the, the theology seems like it's all over the place. Uh, sometimes it's like it's saying one thing and it looks like it's saying another thing. But this consistent thread is the invitation of a real God to interact with real messy people. And the, and the result of it culminates in this practice of praise. Um, but sometimes it's, it's hard to just go to a place of rejoicing. Sometimes it's hard to go to a place of celebration. And that's where this idea of lament comes in. How many of you guys have heard the word lament before? If you've tra- traveled in church circles or Bible, you've probably heard that mean. But it literally just means to, to lift up painful sorrow, uh, a cry out to God and lament. And actually, this book of Psalms, this book of poems, actually one-third of them are laments. But 
as you look at the laments, there's actually this, it ends up being the other side of this, proc, this practice of joy. That if we, can, if we can see it, if we can unlock it in our lives, if we can learn how to practice lament in our lives, I, I am confident that God can meet us in some real and profound ways um, as, as we do that. And he'll, he'll, on the other side of that, we'll find a life that's in a faith that is just rich and a joy that's unsinkable. So would you, would you join me this morning uh, as, we, as we pray and we get into the, this time? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for um, being with us, for meeting with us, for encountering us in this space, for loving us enough to engage with your people. Thank you for this book of Psalms with all these messy prayers that are lifted up to you. And thank you that the one thing that is consistent through it all is your invitation to engage and to, to find you and put our trust in you. And so this morning, wherever we find ourselves, whether it's just stressed out by the holidays coming up or we're feeling loss and grief, Lord, I, I just pray that for all the spaces that we find ourselves in, God, would you meet us here? Uh, we just pray, would you, would you bring your spirit to just meet with us in the places that we need it most? Uh, Lord, we're not here to hear me talk on a stage, but we're here to encounter you through your word. So would you do that this morning? In Jesus' name, we say in faith, amen. All right, let's dive on in. Um, if you can, um, actually, um, real fast, actually, just a little, little group interaction. Would you mind just um, sharing with someone else? I mean, sometimes like grumbling is just kind of part of life. You guys, any grumblers here? Any, any people that just like make grumbling look like a, a professional sport? Yeah, like you're just really good at it. Like you're like, I know when I grumble, I can gather a crowd. Like I'm entertaining when I grumble. Like you just, there's just things that kind of get under our skin, things that just are like difficult in life. Sometimes there's just some tough stuff out there. So just for a moment, it just kind of feels like get it off your chest. You're about to be with family this week and maybe just, just I just got to get it off my chest. What are some things, either just pet peeves or just things that kind of just get under your skin that just right now, just grumble, just get it out, turn to the person next to you, uh, introduce yourself if you don't know them, but just say, this is a pet peeve of mine. Do you have it? Like whatever. It is. Just real fast. I just, hey, my name is so-and-so, and this is my pet peeve. Go for it. Feel the grumbles in the room. <clears throat> there is no shortage of things in life that could just be irritating. There are just places in life where just life just sometimes doesn't work the way you want it to work, right? There's just places where it's like, ugh, this is just such, it is, it is a pet peeve of mine. Um, how many guys, loud chewing? Anyone loud chewing? Um, that is, I, I am both a loud chewer. As a loud chewer, I also loud chewing. Actually, Don and I share that ourselves. Uh, that, is, that is a pet peeve of ours. Uh, I, I can share a pet peeve of my wife's. It's, it's leaving uh, cupboards open. Uh, I leave cupboards open all the time. Does anyone leave cupboards open? You open it up, you're looking for something, and then it's like, oh, I walk away, and then the fridge is left open, come back, and it's like everything's spoiled. Anyone leave cupboards open? No one leaves cupboards open in the house? Okay, a few, okay, there we go. Yeah, I got to out you guys here. But what's worse for me is I don't just leave cupboards open. I actually, when, I'm, when they're open from somebody else, I close them. So like Michelle will go in there and she'll open it up. She'll be doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, there's an open cupboard and I close it. And she's like, why? I'm still using this room. Why now did you decide to close the cupboard? Um, I just, I don't know, scrolling through Netflix, trying to find something to watch. How many of you guys have spent more than 15, 20 minutes trying to find a show? Before you know it, it's like the next day and you're like, what are we going to watch? Want to watch this? No, I don't want to watch this. It just goes on and on and on forever. Oh, this feels good to get off my chest. Feels good. Feels good to get off my chest. Um, I guess maybe the last one is this. Like when you go to the grocery store and you're going in the parking lot, this is one of my all-time things, and I say it all the time, but you go to the grocery store, you're pulling in the parking lot, and sometimes you just make that mistake, and you're like right up in front of the store where everybody's crossing, and you're like, oh, 
This is going to take forever to get through. Now, I don't mind when people cross. I don't even mind when people walk slow at their own pace. I mean, hey, you're there first, pedestrians, right of way. But what kind of just kind of gets under my skin is this sort of like disingenuous fast-paced walk that you get from people. Like they're walking across, they stop, they see you, and they're like, oh. <laughs> no actual pace was changed in that moment. You looked at me, you went like this, and you, you lifted up your legs, but you're still going just as slow. So I'm like, come on, let's just, anyways. Uh. <clears throat> well, that was the morning for you guys. Thank you so much. You got prayer, prayer partners will be up here. No. Uh. But in life, we know that there's just things that are deeper than that. There are things that are more painful than that. And some of us are walking through it right now. There are places in our life where we just are, are deeper than just a grumble and just a complaint, but a deep-seated pain. There's loss. There's grief. There are people right now in this room that maybe are wondering, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to make it through this year. Circumstances have changed. We've got a diagnosis. A person I love so deeply in my life is no longer with me, and I don't know what to do with that. And I come to church, and I come to a space, and I want so desperately to put my faith and hope in God, but there is a part in me that is just hurting so much, and I don't know how to put the two together. I come to a faith community, and we sing songs, and we lift them up, and we're like, Lord, and I just see people singing with so much like, faith and love, and yet all I could do is just sit here, and I can even barely get a word out before crying, and I just feel so alone. What do I do with that pain? Sometimes there's circumstances in our life where it's just like I can't pray it away, I can't faith it away, I can't obey it away, and I am just stuck, God, and I don't know what to do with what I'm feeling right now. But I come to church and, and sometimes I feel like, is it okay for me to feel what I'm feeling? Like I have amazing faith that you could do so many things for so many people, and I've maybe even seen you show up in my life in some incredible and remarkable ways, but right now, God, I'm not sure where you are. I'm not sure if you're going to show up. I'm not sure what you're going to do, and I just, I'm stuck. I am feeling it right now. And if you haven't felt it in your life, there may be a time in your life that you will feel it. One of the common denominators for all of us is that pain, pain doesn't discriminate. Pain and loss don't discriminate, and life will be met with a measure of loss. But one of the beautiful things that we have as a, as, as a church, as people of faith, is that as everybody in the world is going to feel this, rich, poor, um, doesn't matter your circumstances, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your ethnicity, we're all going to feel loss. And as a faith community, we actually have the greatest place to go with that loss, and as we share that common bond with all of people in the world, we actually have an opportunity to show them what it looks like to have faith in a God who can meet us and show up in our pain, in our loss. And so there's this idea and there's these pictures all throughout Scripture called laments, where we see people with real needs, real raw emotions being expressed to God, and we find out that there is hope. There is a God who's willing to meet you in your pain. There is a God who's willing to meet you in your hurt. There is a God who's willing to show up right now. And it may take years before we get those answers. It may take a long time before we see the other side of what we're walking through right now. But in the middle of it, there is an opportunity to hold on to God. And that is where this practice of lament comes in. If you, if you want to join me in Psalm 13, we'll, we'll read it now and we'll kind of go back to it again later. But I just want these words in our context. Psalm 13 is an example of these laments, written by David, going through hard stuff, 
And here we see a hero of the faith, someone who's done and seen remarkable things. With this, and and in this moment, we start to wonder, where is faith? And if he can go through it, I think we can find some hope and encouragement for ourselves. But if you're there with me, I'll, I'll read with it. Psalm 13, he says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long do you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give me light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Like, God, you are my only hope. If you don't show up, I don't know what will come of it. And the enemy will say, I have overcome him. How many of you guys feel like you got enemies in your life that are just waiting for you to trip up? Sometimes they're a family and it's the worst. I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust, but I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. In Psalm 13, we get a little glimpse of what it looks like to come to God in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of real pain that we're walking through right now. And, and, and as we go through the service, I, I hope you know that I am not trying to offer a quick buttoned-up solution. We live kind of in a microwave culture where it's like, oh, we hear something, we want to bundle it up, we want everything to tie neatly in a bow. Um, actually, so many of the Psalms of Lament don't, don't tie up neatly at all. They're just a blatant cry out to God, where are you? I don't know what's going on. And so in the midst of today, I, I hope that this can give us some handlebars, some handlebars for when to, to reconcile this part of our life that sometimes feels disconnected from all the hope that we profess. This part of our life that's hurting and wounded and maybe even angry at God to the part of us that still loves and praises and will do anything for the Lord and Savior who died for our sins. To to bring those two worlds together so we could be a fully integrated person loving God with all that we are and having him meet us with all that he is. Um, And so how do we encounter God in our pain? The reality is on this side of eternity, the reality, and this is a welcome Rain Valley Church, by the way. This is a really uplifting message, I know. <laughs> right before Thanksgiving. But anyways, <clears throat> the reality is on this side of eternity, if you are alive, you will re-experience pain. And so it don't necessarily feel like you're singled out. I think sometimes we run and we wonder, why is it happening to me? Because we see everybody else in the moments when they're not experiencing pain, oftentimes while we're going through pain. And sometimes we know that cognitively, like in our minds we can understand, okay, I know I'm not the only person who endures pain. But when you're feeling it, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like that. But if you are alive, you will experience pain. So it's not always personal and God is going to do something in there. And and sometimes it comes out of the blue um, and sometimes you see it coming. But if you're living in this world, you will experience pain. And C.S. Lewis writes this. It's a famous quote. It says, God whispers us to us in our pleasures, and he speaks to us in our consciousness, but he shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to raise a de- arouse a deaf world. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciousness, but shouts to us in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There is nothing that can wake us up quicker than pain and suffering. There is nothing that can bring what you believe and what you thought you knew about God right to the surface in the forefront of your mind when it's go time, when things are tough, and when things are hard. And, and sometimes, and maybe I'll speak just for myself, but I think sometimes for us as Christ followers, we feel like we're given this, this sort of false choice. Like, and, and neither of them really sound good in the midst of pain and struggle. Like, it's either give up 
God's not there. He doesn't care. You're on your own, kids. You always were. And you go through it, and that's it, moving through. Um, or it's just, you know what? I'm going to put on my blinders. I'm going to keep coming to God. I'm going to put on the happy face. I'm going to praise. And I'm just going to keep just kind of trusting. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. But all the while, there is this chasm growing between me and God. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that? And if I let the pain and loss um, grip me, I just feel like, I don't know, I don't like either option. Um, and maybe you're like me. Um, there are the times you've just sat in this very room where you're just like, God, I just, this is the only place I know to be. But I just don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to put the two together. I know you're good. But I just don't know how to see it right now. Um, there have been times I've been in this service where all I could do was, was weep. There have been times where I had a hard time walking in here into this space because I just, I just didn't know how to go forward. There are times I've avoided seeing people and being around other people of faith because I felt like they have the faith that I don't seem to have. And I, I don't know how to walk through it, but I'm just going through it. I'm going to hold on to it. And I just sort of like try to pull myself up by all my own bootstraps and just get through it. And this is where the invitation to learn how to lament comes in for us as Christians. This is a practice. This is something that we do. It's, it's not just something that we're going to like download and say, okay, here's six truths about who God is. But this is something that we do in real time with God. Um, and it may seem a little bit, um, I guess, sacrilege in some ways to think like, oh, you can be angry at God. You can yell at God. Like, who are you to say that you can yell at God? He is holy, and he is. He is creator, he is. And he is mighty, he is. But there are times, honestly, that I'm just like, God, where are you? I don't know what to do with what I'm feeling right now. I don't know if I even love you right now, God. I don't even know if I want what you have for me, because if this is the kind of life that I get to leave, I kind of want to walk away right now. These are things that I have felt. These are things that I have said. These are things that I've gone through in my prayer. And I wonder, God, are you even there? Can I even say those things to you? Am I allowed to feel these things with you, God? I want to. I want to cry out to you. I want to do stuff. But, but I just don't know if I can. And I think sometimes, unintentionally, when we don't deal with that part of who we are, we unintentionally create a dysfunctional relationship with our Creator. So instead of being real and honest, we just try to faith it away. We just try to pray it away, and we just try to obey it away. Now, all three of these things are good. Don't hear me wrong. I mean, it is good to have faith. It is good to remind us stuff. But if I can just believe enough, it's going to work. If I, can just, if I can trust enough, the outcome's going to happen. But then what if the outcome doesn't happen? Then I just pray it away. God, I'm just going to ask you to move, and my, my hope is going to be that you're going to move on my behalf. You're going to do something. You're going to change the circumstances. You're going you're to flip the script. These things are going to go away. Or, you know what, God... This is just a tough situation, but if I can just work as hard as I can for you, if I can just keep doing the thing that you want me to do, do the thing that keeps doing the thing and get there, then maybe somehow, somehow you're going to work through me in that. And instead, it's, it's, it's not real and it's not authentic. And, and kind of, in a, in a way, it's like we're giving God the silent treatment. Like, there's a part of us that's living him, but there's this other part of us that just, I don't know how to deal with it, so I'm just going to deal with it on my own. And I'm not going to invite you into this space in my life. It's one thing to say, I want you to do something, God. But it's another thing to invite God into this space when you're feeling it the most. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you can believe things and you can say things are true about God. And, but to invite him into this space that you want him to work, invite him into that space where you're hurting is, is hard. It takes vulnerability. It takes being open. But when we don't do those things, we cut him out of the process. And it's like we give God the silent treatment. 
Has anyone ever given the silent treatment in here? Anyone? Anyone like, like really good at it? Like, you know, like that's just my go-to. Like, I just, mm, I'm just going to get it to them with the silent treatment. How many of you guys have been on the receiving end of the silent? Don't raise your hands because they might be next to you. But how many of you guys have been on the receiving end of a silent treatment? Why is it so effective in getting a reaction out of us? Why does it hurt so much when someone we love doesn't talk to us and doesn't engage with us? It's like they say, I'm done with you. You don't get my attention right now. You don't get to talk to me about this kind of stuff. And then sometimes you engage with that person and they're still kind of giving you the silent treatment or they're not honest with you about the pain that they're going through. And you can see it, especially if you've got like loved ones that are, you're close to and you ask them how they're doing. Like I could be like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, fine. I'm like, you said fine. And that word means everything's okay, but everything about the way that you're looking at me and the way that you're walking through the room doesn't say you're fine. Are you sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm good. You said good, right? But it just doesn't seem like the way you're behaving sounds like things are really good. And you know when someone's giving you the silent treatment, everything just gets louder in the house. Dishes get louder. Everything good? Fine. Fine. We just keep moving through and we just truck through life. Um, only to find out, it's like, it's like, well, then you know what? It's okay if I go out and hang out with the boys tonight? Sure. Do whatever you want. You're saying I can go out. But something in me is telling me you really don't want me to go out until like, you know, weeks later, and then it all comes out, and you're like, I knew it! I knew it! Finally it comes out! But that is a little bit of a picture, I think, of sometimes what we do with God. We, we, we grin and bear it, we talk through it, and we don't go through. But when the, the beautiful thing about lament, and what I think is really good about faith, and what I want us to understand is that when you're angry, that God is big enough to handle your anger. And when you try to like quell your anger, when you try to like short, shorten it and like soften it and try to like work it away just because you don't want God to see that side of who you are because you don't feel like you want to lash that side of God out, you actually disengage. I would rather have my wife yell at me and be angry with me and tell me what she's angry about than to cut me out of the process and give me the silent treatment. Because in that silent treatment, she's saying, I, I don't want to engage with you. I don't want to talk with you. But at least if you're, if you're mad at me and you're yelling at me, at least I know there's some skin in the game. I know that we're still in this. I know that we're still working this out. We're figuring this out together. And in a real way, lament is a way of telling God, like, I don't know how to feel right now, but I'm still in this with you. I don't know what to do right now, but I'm not done yet. And the only thing I know how to do right now is tell you how I'm feeling and trusting that God will meet it. Meet us there. Um, John 6, uh, 66 through 69, uh, there's this moment where Jesus gives us really hard teaching. It's just really hard. And the disciples and so many people walk away from it. He just gives us the teaching about what it means for him to be the Savior. People like, like the Eucharist, taking his body, all this kind of stuff is going on. And people are like, well, you are crazy. And they walk away. And in that moment, like so many people leave, that Jesus turns to his disciples, he's just closest, and he says, to the 12, this is the ones that are left. He looks to them and he says, do you want to go away as well? In verse 68, Simon Peter says, and he answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that, that, that phrase is always really kind of like, kind of stuck with me because Peter's not like, nope, we want to stay. He didn't directly answer the question. He's kind of like, I, I don't really know where else to turn right now. Uh, that was weird, that was hard, I don't know what to do. I mean, you could fill in the blanks, and it's just inference on what P Paul might have been feeling, but Paul doesn't directly answer Jesus in that moment. He's like, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So I, I'm not going to leave you right now, but I don't know where else to go, and I'm not sure I want to stay. 
Have you ever felt that way in your faith and your walk with God? Like, I don't, I don't know where else to go right now, but I'm not sure I want to stay. But I know you're the ones who have the words of life. That's the kind of spirit that a lament is. God, like, I don't know where else to go, but I'm staying with you. In Psalm 13, we get a glimpse of what it looks like to cry out in our pain. And if I can, I just want to walk us through some of those things together. So back in Psalm 13, he starts with saying, like, how long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? The first thing we need to do in lament is, is to be real. We need to be real when we lament with God. So if you were going to sit down and think, like, I'm going to lament, I'm going to, like, bring it up to God, it takes honesty. It takes being real. And, and it's not sugar-coated. It's not sweet. It's not softened language. I think when I was an early believer in Jesus, like, following God and stuff, I saw all these holy people, and they had all these holy prayers, and they were so good at, like, putting on, like, the face. And this is all good stuff. Like, they were genuine people. They led me to the Lord, so I'm so grateful for them. But they had this sort of, like, polish about them that I didn't know how to take my very raw emotions to bring them to God. And I was like, you know, I'd stub my toe, and I'd be like, Ugh! Gracious Heavenly Father, I am very upset right now. My foot is hurting and it's throbbing, and I'd rather have it amputated in this moment than keep it on my body. Would you please hear my prayer, Gracious Heavenly Father, amen. Right? We're in the middle of pain. We want to cry out, but all of a sudden we like stuff it back in and we have to say something nice and polished. But what we see in Psalms is this beautiful picture that when you are upset, you can just be upset with God. You could just go to him with your questions and just be real, just be honest, just be yourself. Because in the moment of pain, we sometimes wonder, like, God, are you there? Are you real? Do you care? And the only way that you're going to have an authentic experience with God that's going to answer those questions, like, real in a real way is if you're real with him first. God can't work with who you pretend to be. God can't work with what you pretend to try to do in the face that you put up. So just go to him as you are and say, God, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I feel like you're not around. How long will I say wrestle with my thoughts? Oh, man, that's like 3 o'clock every morning for me. My mind just starts going through the tumbler, just like ah, freaking out. And I just whatever, but like my mind just starts racing. I'm like, how long am I just going to be left alone to wrestle with my thoughts? I need you to show up. And we oftentimes ask the question, like, God, are you good? Are you there? Do you care? There's a passage um, in um, um, Exodus where we, we see this, where God shows up uh, to Moses in a burning bush. A lot of us are familiar. We just sang the song Exodus, so I thought this was an appropriate verse to bring us to. But Moses gets encountered by God, and he's going to tell him this remarkable thing is going to happen. And one of these things I love about the heart and the care of God in this moment is this. He says, Lord, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. The Lord says, I, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have, I have heard them crying out. And the good news is, is that in the midst of your pain, when you're wondering, God, are you there? Do you care? Because I just don't know if you do. The answer is yes. And when these people cried out, God moved on their behalf. And God brought a liberation on their behalf for his glory. So when you come to God real, you come to him authentic, you can be confident that you're coming to a God who is going to hear you. And he's willing to respond and move on your behalf. And even your lament could lead to freedom. 
It could mean deliberation. So start with your lament by coming to God real. The second thing we do when we lament to God is this, is we name what we're hurting about. We tell God what it is that we're hurting about. In verse 2, he says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day, night after night, this sorrow in my heart? David's like, this is it. I've got anxious. I'm anxiety. Like, my mind is wrestling through so many things, and I feel trapped and under the weight of my own thoughts. And then he goes on to say, how long will the enemy triumph over me? Like, the enemy seems to be winning here. I'm trying to get some ground here. I'm trying to do the thing for the kingdom. I'm going to, like, show the world how great you are. Come on, don't you know who I am? I mean, didn't we make this agreement? Come on, let's go. But they're still winning. So David, David names what it is that bothers him. In this room, I just wonder what, what it is you need to name. What it is you need to name to God right now that's that barrier. Because I think sometimes when we go to look to God, like right now you can't see from my perspective, but there's a cross right on the other side of this view. But I can't see it sometimes because I put up a wall of the pain and suffering that I'm going through myself. And all I see is me and what I'm going through. And one of the first steps to getting that is just is coming to God as you are, but then naming it. And for some of us, God, there's loss in my life. There's someone I love so deeply. It's not here anymore. No matter how much I tried to pray it away, it hurts. I don't know if I spelled that right. <laughs> Stay in kindergarten, kids. I think illness is two eyes. <laughs> what else? There's illness. And some of us are just dealing with illness as chronic. And as long as we take breath on this side of eternity, it hurts. It takes strength. For some of us, it's uncertainty. I probably spelled that wrong too. Roll with it. God, I just, I just don't know how this is going to come together. There are trials. There are finances. There's difficulties. There are bills to be paid. Or I'm walking through something really difficult with someone I love so deeply, and I just don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I can have confidence in you if you will make the outcome what I need, but I don't know how to have confidence with you if you don't. Sometimes it's for us as the outcomes. It didn't work out like I thought it would. I, I, I thought for sure this was how you were going to show up, God, and you didn't. 
I thought for sure I was walking in faith with you, God. I thought I was obeying. And I thought the outcome by doing those things was going to be something different. It's just not there. I'm trying to pray to you. I'm trying to trust you. I'm trying to say that you are good. But right now I'm fixated on some outcomes I just don't understand. pain in general. <clears throat> There's some things that only you know how to name. What would you fill into that blank? <clears throat> Lament is an invitation to come to God just as we are. And the beautiful thing is that God, God is ready and he's willing to meet with you as you name those things back to him. After you've been real and you've named where you've gone in your walk with God, you need to ask him. And this is where faith comes in because Again, I don't know about the outcomes. I don't know how things are. I don't know how you work anymore. I thought I thought this is how things worked in the kingdom of God, and now they're kind of upside down right now in the midst of my loss and my pain. But I'm going to ask you what I need and what I think I want you to do. And this is where we see David say, look on me and answer me, oh, my Lord. Give light to my eyes. Help me see what you see, God. Or I'm going to sleep in death. And the enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. God, I'm asking you to help me stand right now. That's it. Just keep me standing to another day. Would you show up? Would you answer me? But you name and ask God what you are looking for. In your pain, do you know what you need from God right now? In the times that you feel lost, do you know how to ask God what you're looking for? And this is just more than like the, the hurried prayer on the way to work. Like, God, I'm going to run late. Could you give me every green light? Arr. That tends to be how I prayed. Because my life is so hurried. But when I stop, I don't give myself enough time to really sit down and think, Lord, you've invited me to pray to you. You've invited me to tell you what I need. And I just need to sit with it and really think. Creating space in your life through a lament to say, God, this is what I'm really asking for. This is what I really need. And for David... The first thing he needed was just to know that God would look on him and answer him. God, I just need to see your face. Number four, is that we need to speak truth back to your soul and speak up to God. What I love about this lament over a lot of the laments in the Psalms is we get to see the full story. Again, it's not a tightly needed bow. Like David's still in situations right now that are tough. It didn't end for him after he penned these words. But we at least see where he's reminding himself where this is all headed. He's trying to remind him where the end of the story is. And as followers of Jesus, things can come and hardships can come. But we have to remember where the end of the story is. David says, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Man, can you say he has been good to you when you are hurting? I don't know if I always can. 
I want to be like David. I want to be able to say, Lord, you have been good to me, even in the midst of my pain. And sometimes we just say, God, I'm going to praise you when things get better. I'm going to focus on walking with you when I figure my life out, when things settle down, when the anxiety settles, when life gets less busy. But it is powerful to praise God when things are their worst. It is powerful to praise God when it doesn't look like there's going to be a good outcome. It is possible, church. It is possible to be not okay and at the same time believe Jesus is okay. It is okay to feel like everything else is falling apart around you and still believe this at the same time Jesus is holding everything together. When we lament, when we speak it out, we say to God, we are putting our trust in that. And when you do that, you begin to change the, change the possibility and the outcome of your life. When you, when you say, God, okay, like, I'm not going to be stuck here. There is an out. There is a way out. There is more for me to than this story. There's not, this is not going to have the last word on my life. You start to change the possibility and outcome of your life, not because of anything that you're doing, but you're reminding yourself of the story, who, the, the end of the story and the one who holds it all together. You're upping your chances by speaking that truth of Jesus over your life. And so in this psalm, what do you know to be true about God? What do you know to be true? What are the things that you've experienced? Where has God met you in your life? Where have you seen his faithfulness? And if you don't feel like you've personally felt it, you have scripture and it looks like, man, it's just a a Bible. But this Bible is a living testimony of God's faithfulness all throughout humankind. And and so it it is a great place to go to and say, God, this is where you've shown up. I want to put my faith in this. So bring your problems to God. Be real about it, but counterweight your condition in the way that you're feeling with the gravity of the hope that you have in Jesus. Jesus said, in this world, we'll have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. God is big enough. He is mighty to save. He has already made a way for us. He listens to us. He responds to us. He cares about us. He will move on our behalf. And only God gets the final word. And death can feel like the end for us because it's all we know. And that's where faith comes in. Because the reality is everybody that Jesus healed, everybody that Jesus taught, everybody that Jesus inspired, everybody that Jesus moved with when he was here on earth are no longer walking with us right now. They all died. And that's ultimately what Jesus came to overcome. So even in death, we can be confident to know that death will not get the final word on our life. Death does not hold you. Jesus does. And he's holding it all together. So I don't know what we're walking through this morning. And maybe you're not walking through anything, which is awesome, which is amazing. But could I invite us to learn the practice of lament so that it could lead us to a hope that is unsinkable? It could lead us to a joy that will not go down when the world crashes around us. And there's probably three different places that you can lament in your life. One is just for your personal life. But for some of us, we need to lament for our friends. We need to stand in the gap and lament with our spouses. We need to say it's okay to like not just try to like brush everything under and keep things going and try to give like a quick 
nugget of truth or an encouragement. Those are all good things, and so stop, don't stop being encouraging. But sometimes it's okay to just say, you know what, I don't understand, but, but can I cry out to God with you? Can I cry out to God with you in your pain? Can I stand in the gap with you and cry out and say, my friend, my friend is hurting, Lord, and I don't understand why you won't move on their behalf. I am lamenting, God, would you move? I just, I'm bringing what I'm feeling. How long will it take for you to show up in that person's life? For some of us, we just need to lament about the scenarios that are going on in the world. Jesus, would you speed your return? Because I, I don't see where you are in the outcome of everything going on. War-torn worlds, so many places of pain, brokenness, loss, human trafficking, you name it over and over again, the list just gets more and more overwhelming. Lord, we need to lament the situation of our world because it reminds us of the fact that this world isn't all there is, but there's a Savior who's coming back to redeem it all. So in lament, we remind ourselves that we're called according to, to God's purposes, not our own. In lament, we're reminded that we're called to his purpose and not just our opinions. In, in lament, we remind ourselves of Romans 8.28, that God is working all things for the good of those who love him. Now, this oftentimes gets mistranslated, misquoted. It's like we, we quote this like, oh, it must have happened for a reason. It's, no. I, I, sometimes when people like I, when when I lost our, our son Joshua, I, I know people meant well. I said this must have happened for a reason. I can't tell you there's a reason for that. I can't. Even to this day, I can't. But I can tell you that God will work it for my good. I can tell you that God's going to work it for the good of other people. But I can't tell you there's a reason for it. So when we lament, we remind ourselves that God is working for our good. Even when it doesn't feel good, God is working. It's working for your good even when you're waking up in the middle of the night. It's working for your good even when the tears are coming down your face. God is working it for your good. We remind ourselves of 2 Corinthians 4. And Paul writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. For inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is not seen. On what is seen, but not, sorry, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We focus our eyes on eternal things. And he says that these light and momentary troubles right now are achieving for us an eternal glory. T.D. Jakes uh, is a uh, pastor and preacher, and he uses this illustration about a grape. He says a grape on the vine, if you just leave a grape on the vine, it will eventually wither, it will rot, and it will die. But when a grape is pressed, and when a grape is squeezed, it produces something that far exceeds its own value into something that's placed in bottles and shipped all around the world for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it far outlasts the life of that grape. And in a real way, the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations that we face in life might be squeezing us. And we might feel like, I can't take any more squeezing right now, but we can trust that God is going to use it to bring a glory that far outweighs the circumstances that we're in right now. And that our, our value, our story is going to be far more reaching than it was right now and what we're in right now if we just left it where it was. So God, in lament, I come to you and I just say, I'm trying to trust 
that that's where you're taking me. That's where you're headed. Because without lament, all I see is loss, illness, uncertainty, outcome, pain. This list. But lament is an invitation. You need to tear away this veil. So I can see the one who's holding it all together. And trust that he's holding me in the midst of my brokenness. So this morning, the invitation to you is this. Go lament. And lament with faith. Bring who you are honestly and openly to God and trust that he's big enough to hold you together. And as the world sees the world falling around you and crashing all over the place, would it be a testimony to those that are watching you closely to see that you're holding on to a God who's holding on to you? And would he get the glory for that? Let's pray. Jesus, this morning as we, as we round out this service, um, I pray that you would just meet us in the spaces that we need to see you the most. God, we so desperately want to know that you move on our behalf. We so desperately need to know that you hear us and that you're with us. God, there's people in this room that just need to cry out to you. And Lord, thank you so much that you give us the permission to do so. Thank you that you're big enough to hold us in tension. And thank you that you're big enough to walk us through things. And Lord, I pray on the other side of our lament that we would be people of faith that we would be unsinkable. And that when the world watches us walk through what everyone else experiences, they'd see something different in us because we have our hope and faith in a risen Savior who holds the end of the story in his hands. In Jesus' name, amen.